Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Emily. How are you? And hello, Australia and everywhere else in the world. We've got a few overseas listeners, actually, so shout out to you guys. Now, today I am excited for this episode because, John, you and I do this podcast. We look at each other across a screen and we see all these little numbers of people who are our listeners and we love our listeners, but we don't often get to see our listeners. And today we're actually doing an episode um, with some community members of ours, uh, Daniel and Shay, and they've jumped on um, because... They're property investors, number one. They're listeners, number two. And number three, they've actually gone ahead and used your property calculator, which I think is awesome. Um, a great resource that we will put in the show notes. But welcome to the show, Daniel and Shay. Hey, guys. Hey, John. The, the thing that excites me about this, Emily, is they started listening three years ago. Now, I had to think, well, have we been running three years? And I know you joined us in the last 12 months. You just celebrated the anniversary, didn't you? Um, but like, yes, yeah, like a long time, three years. And, and out of Shay's mouth came the words, the property and, and my millennial money podcast changed my life. <laughs> Is that right, Shay? It's actually true, certainly in a financial sense. <laughs> Very good. All right, so tell us about your journey. What's uh, what, what do you both do for work? Where do you live? And where was your first step into property? Yeah, so uh, I'm a business development manager in renewable energy for um, Uberdrola, so shout out to them. Um, and my first start into property was uh, with my uh, family home with my mother. Yeah. So, um, yeah, got, got involved in that and um, also had an uncle that was quite active in property investing, so I always sort of looked at that from afar and thought he lived a pretty cool life and thought, uh, yeah, that's something I want to follow in the future. Awesome. So you had a mentor there, which is great and always important. Did you do a joint venture with your mother or were you just on the title or how did that all work? Yeah, so uh, J- JV with uh, mum. Um, so went into that uh, for uh, some circumstances um, to sort of uh, help and assist there. But uh, yeah, it was a really good entry into um, the property market. Awesome. Okay. And what about you, Shay? So I'm an exercise physiologist and I work in a private hospital in the southeast suburbs of Melbourne. And I suppose my first, yeah, experience with property was when we bought our little unit in Bomb Beach to live in um, and renovate. And that was in 2017. So that was when I first got a taste for it. Take us back to 2017 when you did both buy together, because I think it's an interesting thing buying property um, together. 
you know, and what people want are often, and John will probably feel the same, that often there's competing um, interests of what someone wants, location versus the house size versus non-negotiables. How did you navigate getting into your first property together? Yeah, it was an interesting one, actually, because at the time, Dan and I had quite different views on kind of the path we wanted to follow in property. Uh, Dan had just done a property course with his mate and was quite interested in the rent vesting kind of uh, area. I didn't know much about property at all then. Um, I was pretty keen on buying something to live in and I was keen on the whole renovation thing. Um, so I think, yeah, Dan ended up rolling over there. and <laughs> Yeah, I actually had an offer on a property in Tasmania fall short by about $5,000. And then the next week uh, we had this opportunity in Bomb Beach come up and I was, uh, yeah, we were investing into an owner-occupier which needed a full renovation. And anybody that knows me, uh, I'm not very good with my hands or very practical. So, yeah, that was a, a, a hard year or so doing a, a lot of the laboursome tasks. Yeah. Lots of love jobs from his footy club there. They knew Dan needed a bit of help. But, yeah, um, yeah and my brother's a carpenter and Dan's best mate's a chippy as well. So we had, uh, yeah, plenty of help. But it actually worked out quite well because, yeah, we generated a lot of equity in our place and we've sent, since been buying investment properties. So Dan eventually got what he wanted to. So we've kind of both... One. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So how old were you both when you bought that house in two thousand or the unit in two thousand seventeen? Gosh, I think I was twenty seven. Yeah, I would have been twenty eight, I think. Oh, yeah. Twenty nine. You're a bit older than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dan's trying to yeah, gain a few years. Let's here. Not worry about the numbers. <laughs> Okay, so for for nineteen year old, twenty year old, stressing about not being able to get into the property market, you guys were twenty seven, twenty eight. So just just take a take a chill pill, and it's not all bad if you can't get in this year or before Christmas, right? Absolutely, exactly. Yeah, yeah we did a lot of travel before we mm. uh, got into the property market. Yeah. So yeah, we both came back from London um, a couple of years before we bought that first property with no dollars to our name. So, um, yeah, we managed to, you know, save pretty hard and um, leverage off uh, the asset that I had already to be able to get into Bomb Beach. So, Okay. And have you still got that asset that you bought JV with your mum? No, no, no. Just a um, question there, because I think you made a very valid point that you both went travelling and you came back with with nothing basically and started from scratch, which a lot of people do do, particularly I think a lot of people will do now that we can travel again. That's where the money's sort of funneling to experiences and see the world. What sort of sacrifices did you have to make during that time to be able to speed up your savings? Obviously, you did have um, the joint venture going on and maybe some equity in that or, um, you know, sale proceeds or whatever it might have been. But outside of that, how did you go about saving cash? Did you have, you know, weekly goals together or what was the approach to saving to then springboard into that first property together? Well, I think the main thing was that we moved in with my parents again. Like we did a year, the, the whole year overseas traveling everywhere from America to Europe to Africa, lived in London for six months. And then we came back and, yeah, moved back in with the parents. We told them, look, we don't want to be here for long. The plan is that we want to get into our own place. So we started saving pretty hard then. Um, 
I mean, I sacrificed on my car. If anyone who knows me will know that my car was the most hideous thing ever. I just was like, I need something to get me to work and back. I have no money to my name, so I think I spent about two grand on my car and probably had it for far too long. And I bought the little female mobile as yeah, well, yeah. much to uh, awesome. the laughter at the footy club. Okay. When so you free vested and bought shit cars, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's the trick, Good guys. Summary. If you can't save any money, that's the two tr- top tips for you. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we did make some sacrifices there and, yeah, we just, yeah, saved pretty hard and we are lucky that this property kind of came up. Um, it was through family. Um, there was my auntie's auntie was 90 years old and going into a nursing home and she knew that we were kind of looking and she's a property investor herself and has done quite well out of it. And she goes, look, even if you don't live in it, it's a good investment opportunity. So, yeah, if you're interested. So we bought all that off market, got a couple of valuations done and, yeah, that's where it started. Okay, so tell us about that acquisition. Like it was off market because it was your auntie, but did you think you got uh, a bargain? Like did you get a deal for it or did you think you paid fair market odds for it? Oh, this is a controversial one. Dan, you go. Yeah, I reckon we paid probably a little bit over. Oh, my gosh. So so for, for those looking at off market properties, <laughs> you're not always going to get a bargain. Well, I think. The learnings that we took out of that is uh, you probably don't go with the valuations from the real estate agent mm. and you oh, want to okay. go with something from a bank because the real estate agents are always going to put a little bit of fat on that to be able to secure that deal, whereas a bank will, this is what we'll lend based on the value of this property. Yeah. So, yeah. The bank did come in at that evaluation, but at the time we didn't know much. So my auntie's also a very clever lady herself, so she wasn't going to sell it to us cheap. <laughs> It was also like from her point of view, it was her husband's side of the family. So obviously they all wanted it to be a fair deal. It wasn't going to be anything cheap. But at the time, the property market was hot. We probably feel like looking back, maybe we should have, yeah. Yeah, negotiated a a little bit harder. But that's (laughs) the challenge you can run into with family because you don't want to muddy the waters too much. And it's not as much of a business transaction. Yeah. So for the listeners, they didn't get a bargain on the way in just because they bought it off a family member. They actually paid 2021 prices, even though they bought it in 2017. It wasn't Um, that bad. We probably just could have got it a little bit cheaper. We're probably being really like... Okay. Sweet. And, and that's interesting. Like a client came to me this week and said, oh, John, I just got a sales appraisal on my house. It's nine fifty, And I said, look, if you can get it sold for nine you'd almost sell it now because I think that's 100 over what it's worth. Like that's what real estate agents are like, aren't they? And shout out to all the real estate agents around the country. We love you. Um, and your job is to sell houses, which is awesome. But yeah, great learning curve, isn't it? To understand the difference between evaluation and independent valuation and indeed sales appraisals from agents definitely and I think it worked out okay for us because it needed so much work like if we didn't have friends that helped us out it probably would have blown out a lot more but because we're able to do the renovation on the cheap through lots of you know favors and hard work out like we chipped in and did it most of it ourselves as well um it didn't work out too bad in the end but it could have yeah it could have really blown out if we had to spend 60 grand on the renovation what were the key things that you did for the reno um like straight off the bat because I mean, obviously, sometimes places, the, the term livable is very different to everybody. Was the property livable or did you have to do a fair bit before you actually moved in? Well, yeah, it had um, emerald green carpet and the 1970s glass pane doors. And yeah, there were just walls and hallways everywhere. Never seen anything like yeah, it. So, exactly. 
four different entry points to get into the kitchen in terms of like a door in a two-bedroom unit. It was just too many doors. Weird. I was going to say, it's only two bedrooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was livable. Like you could have lived in it, but it was ugly. So yeah. um, so the main things we did were, yeah, flooring, painting. We knocked two walls out to open up the kitchen and living space. We left the bathroom because she'd actually recently done the bathroom a little while ago because she was an older lady and had to make the shower big and that sort of thing. So it wasn't old and gross, but it wasn't obviously our style, but we also didn't want to overcapitalize either because we knew that we'd probably keep this as an investment property down the track. Um, so we've put up with the bathroom and after we've been living in here for a while, like we're glad we didn't because we love the shower and um, the, yeah. The deck in the backyard as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, basically everything except the bathroom was redone. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So one more question before we break. Daniel, you did a property course um, early on in, in your life, I suppose, adulthood. Uh, was the view to buy this owner-occupier um, to propel you to investment properties and, and did you indeed do the reno not just because it was ugly but because you wanted to create some equity to go and do investments? Was that the key? A bit of both. So I had to obviously work with Shay. Like I wanted to rent there. Shay wanted to have an owner-occupier only. So we sort of met in the middle, got the property in, um, knew by putting the money into it, um, getting that capital um, return from doing the renovation that the next step would be investment property and then go again and, yeah, again. So, yeah, cool. um, right. yeah it's been um, a good facilitator for the next steps. Yeah, great. All right, doesn't sound as though you met in the middle. Shay got what she wanted. She got it the owner rock. But anyway, let's take a break and we'll um, come back after it. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Let's, uh, Emily, talk about this wonderful investment journey they've gone on since they did the renovation at Bond Beach and pulled some equity out and talked, uh, talk to us about that next step. Yeah. So first we uh, went to our broker, saw what our capacity would be um, based on the equity position that we had, um, set up a list of buying rules. So 
um, sort of a price bracket, um, what we wanted to get out of the property in terms of rental yield. We want to make sure that our lifestyle wasn't affected too much. So we wanted um, to obviously achieve capital growth, but not be too much out of pocket at the end of the day. Uh, so the way we go about it is we buy a heap of reports um, and then sort of go through, find out where the infrastructure spend is um, in certain locations that actually fit, uh, uh, fit that criteria. And then um, I did that property course with my best mate, Mitch, so I always sort of validate with him. Um, we, we go through it together. And then, yeah, it's about calling the real estate agents, getting a feel for you know, what's desirable in the area in terms of bedrooms, what rents well. Uh, and yeah, then from there, it's about trying to find properties um, by having those conversations with the property managers and the real estate agents before, um, you know, in a hot market, we're able to find out about deals before they actually get onto the market. So uh, with West Wodonga, um, which we, yeah, which is where we bought uh, our first investment property, uh, we were able to uh, find out about that before it went on market and we had an offer in two days of it being on market. So she actually said she could have sold it four times over. Um, so the fact that we were able to get that offer in early doors um, probably helped us secure that property. So it sounds like you've spent a fair bit of time um, in actually getting to the point of having the right knowledge, knowing you've pinpointed an area, you've gone and contacted the agents and the property managers, which I imagine is labour intensive, but I also imagine you must have really enjoyed it if you went to those extents to get the outcome that you wanted. Is this something that you sort of really enjoyed going through that process? Yeah, well, we actually drove down to Wodonga um, a couple of times as well. So we went through an open home and actually missed out the first time. Um, and then we started, like, yeah, developing those relationships with the agents because we had been putting offers in properties. And, yeah, we enjoyed driving around the area and sussing it out. Like we definitely found West Wodonga to be the nicest area to drive through, had a lot of green space. So, yeah, we definitely enjoyed the whole process. I mean, this is – Dan was excited, like – as he said, him and Mitch talk property once a week because Mitch is quite a successful property investor himself. So this is like right up his alley. So, yeah, we've we've loved it. But then, yeah, COVID hit and, oh, yeah. Um, you know, you weren't able to have boots on the ground going through houses all the time. So those relationships that, um, and those conversations that you're having with people who actually live in that area sort of give you a lot more confidence of mm -hmm. where you're investing and you're actually investing in the right type of property. So. And it was good that we did chat to the agents because at the end of the day we were in lockdown when we bought our first property. So we actually went sight unseen. So because we knew her and trusted her and had built this relationship, she videoed the property, gave us heaps of information on it. Um, so, yeah, we felt quite comfortable in doing that because um, we didn't have any other choice. We are in lockdown and we've been in lockdown for so long in Melbourne that we're like, we're not going to wait till we come out of lockdown because who knows when that's going to be and the property market's just still going up. So, yeah, we just took a gamble anyway. It's been, it's been a good investment so far. So. Have you viewed the property since lockdown? Yeah, so we actually were allowed to go and do our final inspection. We called the COVID hotline and double checked that we would be able to go and view the property and that was actually allowed because it was our property purchase. So we went down and viewed it on the final inspection and, yeah, hoping we liked it because we'd already bought it. Yeah, it settled um, in two days. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, no, we're really happy with it. Um, we thought, we, yeah, we got a lot of detail off the agent anyway um, and we had it valued last week actually because it had been a year and we had to – refix our loan with our broker and yet yeah, it's gone up 18% in the last 12 months. So yeah, it's done pretty well. And 
I think, got a rental yield of 6% gross yield. So it's definitely helping with the cash flow as yeah, well. It pays so, for itself. Yeah, so it's been good. It's good property. So, so for those listening, uh, Wodonga or West Wodonga is on the border of New South Wales and Victoria. Aubrey's on the other side. Um, so you, you, you kept it in state. So now you've got two properties in Victoria. Uh, one bought in 2017, did a reno, pulled some equity out. 2020 in COVID, we've bought an investment property with a 6% gross yield. So that's uh, our rent times 52 divided by our purchase price gives us a 6% gross yield, which is impressive. Uh, what type of dwelling was that? Has it got add value potential? What's uh, what's the story on that? Nah, so it's it's pretty much low maintenance, um, three bedroom, one bathroom, 500 and something squares um, in a nice court. So yeah, we didn't really want anything that we're going to add value to because as Dan mentioned before, like we're not... <laughs> We're not tradies. Um, we just wanted something that was just going to take care of itself, especially because it's a fair way away as well, or from us anyway, it's four hours away. So There is an opportunity to do cosmetics, but yeah. we thought, you know, let's see how the property performs first and foremost, and then if, you know, it starts to stagnate for a little bit and we need to try and, you know, push it again, then, you know, we can do some minor cosmetics to get New that little bit or, of a push. Yeah. But, Cool. But yeah, no, it was mainly on the area. That's all basically on getting our growth was from the, yeah, the growth indicators in the area. And was it easy to rent out and has, has your experience with the tenant been positive for the time that you've held the property? Yeah. Uh, so our property manager is awesome there. And I think we had it uh, between settlement and having somebody go in there was a week. So it's a really hot market uh, and we achieved... Well, the rent that uh, he advised was roughly three fifty, and we said, "Oh, look, because of COVID and whatnot, and um, there's a lack of supply in the area, can we go a bit higher?" And he goes, "Oh, yeah, we'll see." Um, but yeah, we're able to secure that higher um, rent to start with, and we're not going to pass on an increase to the tenant because she's been a great tenant thus far. Um, so, yeah, we sort of secured um, the higher rent at the start mm. so we could, um, yeah, have a bit more flexibility moving forward. Mm. Awesome. So you weren't going to rest on your laurels there. You thought, nah, look, we've got maybe a little bit more equity in Bond Beach. So you were smart enough to get another valuation post that purchase, I imagine. And 2021, which is this year, uh, you made another purchase. So talk to us about how that all played out. Um, cash, equity, borrowing capacity, what was the strategy there? Yeah, so um, we did, we renovated the laundry in our unit in Bomb Beach again. Um, so we kind of had the renovation a bit staggered, which helped <coughs> us with our two valuations. Um, we'd also done some improvements to like the communal driveway of the property. So we, and the market was continuing to fly. Um, and there was a couple of um, sales in our street, which had been quite good. So we thought, oh, why not? Let's just get another valuation done. It really is no effort to get a valuation done. Let's just see where we're at. And yeah, the valuation came in very favourably again. I think it was another, it'd gone up 90K since our valuation the year before. So yeah, we thought, why not like cash out while we can, cash the equity out. And um, yeah, then we thought, okay, let's start looking. And this next investment property, I happened to be off work in the process of um, going through the process with our broker um, and getting our pre-approval sorted. And then I was on a run with a friend and broke my ankle. So I was in a moon boot for seven weeks. And I thought, perfect, I'm off work. Let's do some property research and try and secure this next property. And Daniel was always the one who 
took care of this stuff. But I said to him, like, I need to learn and I want to take, um, you know, the lead in this one so I can deal with the agent and have that practice. Um, so, yeah, I was listening because I was off work. I listened to one of John's webinars on a Wednesday afternoon. I think it was buying in a hot market. And at the end, he had a bit of a discount on this his property calculator, which I had heard him talk about with Glenn in a podcast ages ago. Um, he was just saying how it basically gives you all the numbers in terms of, you know, if it's going to be cash flow positive, how much of a buffer will you need, if it's more negatively geared, you know, when you can expect to uh, or how the property will expect to perform and when you can redraw it. Depreciation yeah. as well. Yeah. So I love the sound of it. So I bought the calculator after that webinar and spent probably, yeah, the next day just absorbed in it, entering all our own details. And I thought this is going to be awesome when we're trying to buy our next property, which we're in the process of anyway. So Daniel, what did you think of that purchase? Like you're, you're the property guy, you've done the property course. It's like, Dar, we don't, we don't need this external thing. <laughs> no, oh, well, um, like seeing the numbers. Uh, so, you know, um, it, it gave us a lot more comfort when you were able to see every, like, drilled down what you would get for rent, how it works after tax, you know, what your final position is, um, you know, growth projections, targets, all of this. So all I could see is, you know, you, you have like an in, an indicative way uh, oh, well, um, how things are going to get to and what your next steps are going to be, whereas I look at this and I'm like, oh, wow, you two, we're going again. Yeah. Or, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> Uh, it was really exciting for me just to be able to see the projections of our properties if they perform based on um, the forecasts that we sort of predict. The thing that really took me back was when you, you messaged me and said it, it gave us the data slash confidence to challenge our accountant when she gave us crappy advice around structuring the asset. Right now, that is has hit the uh, accountant in the eyeballs. Um, uh, what what that is is a learning curve to say understand who's in your corner, isn't it, Emily? I think the biggest thing is being able to be empowered with your own education going into a professional services meeting in any way, shape or form, a planner, an accountant, a broker, um, not doing their work for them because that's what they're there for, but having a baseline level of knowledge and understanding of what's in your best interest, which obviously in this situation, the calculator had helped articulate that for you, is a very empowering thing, I imagine. Like, How did you guys feel when that sort of unfolded, that meeting? Yeah, so the thing was we hadn't really... We were trying out this accountant. We'd spoken to her about three months earlier just to see if the relationship was going to work, told her that we'd probably be looking for another investment property in the near future and would she be able to give us some advice around how we'd structure the asset. And she was okay. And then when it came up and we're looking at putting an offer in on this place because we loved what it was um, looking like on the calculator, um, the beauty of it is you can send a summary of what it's going to look like over the next 20 years to the accountant and the way it was positioned on the calculator was that it was positive cash flow pre-tax, but then because of the depreciation on the property, it actually was a um, at a loss um, afterwards. So Dan's obviously earns a much higher income than I do. So we were kind of asking her, all right, well, if it's a five grand write-off at the end of the year, should we put it in my name or Dan's name, knowing that we're just planning a family soon and I'm going to be the lower income earner? And she said, oh, I'll actually put it in your name, Shay. And I was kind of looking at the numbers being like, that just doesn't sound right to me. So, yeah, then we ended up calling John. I was like, can I just, am I interpreting this wrong? Like maybe I'm not understanding what she's seeing 
Um, and then we thrashed out with John and John was like, yeah, like if anything, maybe you should be putting it in Dan's name, not your name. But I'm no accountant. <laughs> yeah, not an accountant. And I wasn't going to John for solicited advice. It was more just I called John and saying, can I just ask a few questions about the calculator because this is what our accountant's telling us and I don't know if it's right. Anyway, thank gosh we didn't go down that track with her because we've since got a better, like a good accountant um, that we're really happy with, um, thanks to John's recommendation. And um yeah, we've ended up going 50-50 because even though it's a five grand write-off at the end of the year, um, he basically said that if you ever want to sell the property down the track, and John said this as well when we met up with him, that uh, from a capital gains perspective, you don't want it all in Dan's name because he's a higher income earner and you're going to get taxed a lot more on the way out. So anyway, having the data here, yeah, that's just like, otherwise we would have just listened to her probably. If I didn't have that information in front of me, you just trust the experts and we probably would have structured the asset wrong and been stuck with that forever. So so what was what, what does that purchase look like? Uh, where was it? Uh, what was the purchase price? What's the yield, et cetera? Oh, I've got the calculator in front of me so I can tell you. <laughs> um, so the purchase price was 435 it's in North Adelaide. Um, we wanted to go a bit closer to a capital city next time and we already had two properties in Victoria, so we had land tax in mind. Um, the rental gross the gross rental yield is 5.2% first year. So we were always like our strategy is to try and keep it above five, gross rental yield where we can because cash flow is important to us, particularly because we're coming into this family planning stage of life or season of life and we know that the household income might fluctuate so we're really looking for properties that are going to stand up on their own and help us from a cash flow point of view anyway and yeah so the purchase price of that rental yield of 5.2 percent pre-tax um cash position of four thousand dollars per year and then because of the depreciation it actually is a loss of nearly five thousand dollars per year so with the tax refund we're at a cash flow position of 6,174 in the plus each year, which is awesome. It's a perfect storm, really. It generates us cash flow all year, but then we can also write it off at tax time and get more money back. So, again, with Dan taking a new job recently and getting a pay rise, like that's perfect because we're aware of if we're going this positive cash flow path that we don't want to be adding too much onto his tax return either in terms of more income, if that makes sense. I think that's the biggest power of that calculator is being able to look at multiple properties and the outcome of, you know, if we choose A, B or C, what do things look like for us? Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of listeners who may not know this calculator even exists. I mean, you should if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, but um, if you don't, there definitely will be a link in the show notes to John's property calculator so that you can take advantage of that as well and just have those case scenarios and information that you really need to make an informed decision. That's awesome, guys. Yeah, you've played it well. Dan, uh, Daniel, what I'm hearing is you've given Shay what she wanted early days and uh, and now you've gone on the investment journey and Shay's actually taken over. She's that excited by it. So um, <laughs> you're two highly motivated individuals. You've bought high-yielding property, which is going to bode well when you're uh, getting married and having kids and maybe one income, one and a half income. So well done on the strategy play there. Thanks for the shameless plug around the analyzer calculator um that was really appreciated but yeah be in the show notes um it's for mac users now it previously wasn't but now it is i've gone and spent 100 grand designing it no not that much but just for you mac users um really appreciate you guys coming on the show today 
um, and, and sharing your story because, Emily, it just gives inspiration to everyone else out there, not to compare but just to give motivation and inspiration. Most definitely. I think that's probably the biggest thing is actually hearing stories of the community that, you know, this is possible. Um, I think of late there's definitely been a bit of negativity towards um, the possibility of home ownership and just property in general. And so a story like this um, is really helpful for those who are in a similar position or thinking about, you know, investing in property and owning their own home. So thank you so much for being uh, willing to share your story as well. It's um, We're really grateful for you to come onto the show. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a great week ahead. As always, feel free to put questions in the Facebook group or reach out via Instagram and we'll speak to you next week. Okay, bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created the Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 